Good to be back with you after um, kind of a month of uh, vacation slash time away preparing for the coming year. It's been uh, a good time. Each year I do this, I kind of pull aside. gives me a chance to just get quiet still and solitude and see God's face for the direction in the coming year. And uh, look forward. I have series planned all the way uh, in, into, into May. And so looking forward to that. Now I'll spend the rest of the year gathering stuff, researching, praying, g- gathering material for those messages. And so just plan on being a part. I hope that, I hope that they will be edifying and challenging at the same time. Today we start a series of messages that I've been in preparation for for over six months. Uh, we're calling it All Things Renew, uh, kind of off of our All Things News series that our message that I, I shared at Strategy Meeting Day on July 14th. But I want us to, not all things are new, some things we are renewing and kind of refocusing and kind of coming back uh, to maybe some areas that we need to re-strengthen uh, and reaffirm that this is what we are about. In fact, this message I'm going to share today. I've shared every year. This is our third. This would be my 13th time to share, but I did miss one year last year. I felt like a different direction God was leading me. But about this time every year, I share this message uh, with the church since our beginning. Whenever we started in a living room on Nita Road in Rogers, uh, in someone's home there, that was the first time I shared the message. And since then, it's been healthy for me. I hope it's been edifying for you to kind of come back and relive this and rethink this and realign ourselves. Every now and then you just got need to stop and just make sure you're still doing what you should be doing, what you said you'd be doing from the very get-go. And and make sure you're aligned. Now, really, one of the questions that kind of came out of starting Grace Point, came out of this message, was what's it all about here? You know, is this really what it's all about? Big church, big building, big band. Uh, I was going to say big hair, but that was the 80s. You know, all that kind of stuff. You know, is this what it's about? You know, is it more than this? And you got to remember, if you can just transfer Support yourself with me back 12 years ago, back to a living room, back to about four or five couples sitting in this living room. And we didn't have a building. We didn't have a nickel. We didn't have anything. We barely had a name. We had a direction. We had a hope. We had a dream of what might be, what could be, and what we felt should be a church that would be different. And again, this is the message that I shared on that very first Sunday. This was kind of the launching pad for me uh, in starting Grace Point. And this question, what's it all about? What, what is the church to be about? What are we gathering about? Does really Northwest Arkansas need another church? I mean, there's churches all over the place. Do we really need another church? And I really kind of come back with a, with, with a challenge that no, we don't need another church. We do need a different church. We need a church that will maybe be to a different drum, not different theology. We're going to be different. And again, you got to go back 12 years ago when this style of church was very unique to Northwest Arkansas. And some of y'all haven't heard this message because I didn't share it last year. So this will be a brand new message for you. But for others of you, this is kind of something you've heard before. And as, 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 as they, I've heard this before, and listen, every year for me, it is it is affirming or it's also convicting at times to really ask the question, am I still back? Are we still doing what we said we were going to do? Are we still about what we said we were going to be about from the beginning? 
And that's just kind of coming back to that. And then the rest of this All Things Renew series, we're going to be studying through the book of Acts. Just kind of a quick overfly, flyover of the, uh, of the book of Acts, which was the very first message series I shared with the church in the very beginning. Again, meeting in hotels and in conference rooms and, in, and in, again, in, in living rooms. That's what we're going to get. So we're going to call it nostalgic series. I don't know. I call it an alignment series. Are we really doing what we said we were going to be doing? Are we really about what we said we were going to be about? And I hope that we are, and I hope that if we're not, we will get back on track. Because when we went to Africa um, back in 1997, we thought we were going for the rest of our life. We thought we knew everything there needed to know about church. I had gone to seminary, I had gone to college, I had pastored two churches. I thought I had everything figured out. And I was going to go to Africa, to these little villagers, and I was going to teach them how to do church. And you're going to come, and you're going to come at 11 o'clock in the morning, and you're going to sit in good straight rows, and you're going to stand up, sit up straight, and you're going to be proud, and you're going to listen, you're going to wear your Sunday best, and, and you're going to come and be a church, and that's how we're going to do it. And we come to find out that we learned more than I think we taught them. In fact, we realized not long into it that you don't come at 11 a.m., you come at 11 p.m. because you work all day. And you come and you sit all night, or many hours anyway, around a campfire. You don't sit underneath lights, you sit under a campfire. And you don't sit in rows, you sit in a circle. And you don't meet in a building, you meet under the stars. All of a sudden, everything we knew about church had been stripped away, the way church was supposed to be done. And God had to take us there to bring us here. So that we would understand that the way Americans have done church for so many years may not be the way to do church. In fact, is it really what church is about? So now I'm just giving you a little bit of the, the tension that I was feeling, that we were feeling, that we were talking about. We said, now we're going to go back to America and we're going to start a new and different church. And how is that going to be? And what's that going to be like? And see, we became quite concerned about you back home. As we were there, over there. Because we, everything we were reading is that the church in America was dying. Statistics were telling us 17% of Americans were not attending church regularly. So people were giving up on the church. Thus our tagline is, we're a church for those who've given up on the church but haven't given up on God. We want to help renew the vibrancy of what it means to be the church and not go to church. And what does that look like, feel like, taste like, smell like, sound like in our lives? 17% of Americans said, hey, that was all. It was going to church on a regular basis. Telephone survey came out and said that from 1990 uh, up, uh, excuse me, over the course of a period of time, let me get this straight here, that uh, telephone survey finds that uh, the, the number of adults reporting that they were not attending church almost doubled since 1991. So people had stopped going to church, and it was at an ec- epidemic proportion. This is troubling. Again, as we're over in Africa, looking back at America, knowing the resources, knowing the, the, the churches that are everywhere, what's going to happen? How are we going to do this? North America is the only continent in the world where the church isn't growing. Think about that for a moment. You see churches everywhere. You see Christians everywhere. You hear people talk about being a Christian everywhere, but really, think about it for a moment. What is a church supposed to be like? And we can, we believe this, that God's about planting churches. 
that the Lord, that is one of his things, he introduced the idea. You're going to see this. Take your Bibles. Be turning to Matthew chapter 16. We'll be there in just a moment. But this is something that you need to see with your own eyes, that this was not man's invention. This was not man's concoction. This is not, this is not some spiritual country club that the disciples came up with. This is Jesus' idea. And he wanted to see his church reproduced throughout the world. See, Peter Wagner, a great theologian and also church planning guru, he said this, the single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is planting new churches. So again, if you can journey back with me 12 years ago, and I'm sitting in this living room with five or six couples, and what am I doing to them? I'm trying to say, hey, listen, please help us start Grace Point Church. Please sacrifice more than you've ever sacrificed. Please serve more than you've ever served. Because this is important. This is of God. God is about this. He wants to reach Northwest Arkansas. And I believe this, and I've said it many, many times, that the single most, excuse me, the fastest and best way to bless a community is to start a church. It's the only organization that will bless a community, body, soul, and spirit. Civic clubs won't do that. Education won't do that. Government won't do that. Nothing else will do all three of those like a church will. When a church is truly being the church. So I'm going to stick my neck out here. And you're going to think this is kind of bold and kind of arrogant. But please, listen to me all the way through. Because I said this on day one. I'm going to say it here on, on year 12. And that is this. That I believe with all my heart that Grace Point Church is a work of God. Now, I'm not saying we're unique and we're the only work of God in Northwest Arkansas. I'm, you're not hearing me say that. But I truly believe if God's about starting churches and God's about seeing his name proclaimed and God's going to do that through his church and it is the only way to bless the community, body, soul, and spirit, then I believe that this church should be a work of God. And that's why I come back to this message every year. Because I want to make sure, are we still a work of God? We started that way, but are we still that way? Because it's easy to get off track. Let's look at this passage of Scripture. Now, Matthew chapter 16, as Jesus kind of introduces to us a new concept. A new concept in the idea of the church. Now, the disciples hadn't heard this word, but they'd probably heard it before. It was a common word in their vernacular, but they hadn't heard it in this context. And Jesus now introduces this new concept of the church. Now, what it is, the context of this, is he's six months. Jesus is six months away from going to the cross. Six months away. He's been on the earth for 33 years. Six months away from going to the cross. He pretty well knows his ministry on earth is coming to an end. And now he is planning, he is preparing his exit strategy. And if Jesus had a piece of papyrus in front of him, and he had a little ink pen in front of him, and he was to title, what is your exit strategy as you prepare to leave planet Earth? He would have sit and titled it in two words, the church. That's my exit strategy. That's my plan. And he introduces it to his disciples here in this passage. And in this passage, you're going to see two questions and you're going to see two promises. You see if you can find them as I read, beginning in verse 13 of Matthew 16. Now, 
When Jesus came to his disciples in Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some. Now, here's the, pop, here's the pop culture. Here's what everybody's saying about you, Jesus. Oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Others, Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. And others are prophets. <laughs> there was all manner of confusion. Even in the first century, even with Jesus walking and breathing and talking on the earth. Listen, there was confusion to who Jesus was. You're all these different people. Who are you, Jesus? Verse 15, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter, that was his name. Simon Peter replied to you, uh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjonah. That was his birth name. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, here's promise number one, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Number two promise, and I will give my keys to the kingdom of uh, heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be uh, bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, I'm not even going to try to unpack the last verse there. I just want to focus on the first ones today. And I want us to think about it. If Jesus, introducing his exit strategy, says, hey, the church is what this is about here. And Peter, I'm going to build my church on what you just said. Because he just gave a very specific answer to a very specific question. I'm going to build my church on that. Now, I want us to just take that right there. And I want us to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be a work of God? What is it going to mean? If we're going to be the church that's a work of God, what does that look like? There are three elements, and I'm going to give you number one right now. The first element is that Jesus Christ is the very foundation of this church. I hope in your heart and in your life and in your home and in your marriage and in your relationships that you can say Jesus Christ is the foundation. But I most definitely hope that this church has Jesus Christ as its foundation. And in your life, it is lived out to the same manner. Now, we've all known from the beginning of the time, with gravity involved, that foundations are critical. What is below the surface, what is built upon that top of that uh, that foundation is critical. And if the foundation is weak, no matter how beautiful the top is, no matter how ornate the top is, it will crumble. You've got to put more money, more time, more attention into the foundation. So what is our foundation? It is Jesus Christ. Let's give you the scenario here that's, that's being played out. Verse 13, Jesus says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they had all kinds of answers, just like we do today. And we've got to settle on this. You've got to settle on this in your own heart. Who is Jesus? Who do people say that Jesus is out there? There's all kinds of answers to that. If you were to ask a Hindu, and we have over 400 Hindu families living in northwest Arkansas. All right. If you were to ask a Hindu, who is Jesus? If you go over to the, the nation of India the holy land of Hinduism, you would find a traditional belief that in Hinduism that Jesus, as a teenager, traveled to India. 
And then he learned great meditations and he learned great philosophies and he learned great teachings. And then he journeyed all the way back to Israel. And he became a first century guru, kind of a Gandhi in the first century to the nation of Israel. And that when he died, he became a God along with the many other hundreds of gods that they believe in. And that's why if you talk to a Hindu today if, if, if about following Jesus, they have no problem acknowledging your Jesus as, as a God because they just see Jesus as one of many gods. He is not the God. Different views on Jesus. Buddhism. Buddha is basically believed to be the the brother of Jesus. Jesus and Buddha are brothers. Jesus isn't God any more than Buddha is God. And it's basically you achieve Buddhahood through universal love. You and I too could be a God like Buddha and like Jesus if we have universal love. Again, this is just a common belief in our culture. Zen Buddhism is one of the fastest growing religions of our day. All right? It thrives in this postmodern culture in which we live. And I don't have time to break each one of these down. I'm just giving you the summaries of what they believe about Jesus. And Jesus is just like Buddha. And you can be just like Buddha. And you can be just like Jesus if you have universal love. So it's all about love. Jews. If you were to ask a Jew who Jesus was, they might take you to the Toledoth Jesu. That is the Hebrew history book on who Jesus is. They believe that Jesus is the bastard child of the seduced Mary, who later gains magical powers and sorcery. That's who Jesus is to the Jews. If you were to ask a Muslim, Jesus is a great prophet. He's one of many prophets. He is not the only prophet. He is even not the final prophet. Muhammad is the final prophet, but he is not God. They'll go to war over that statement. That Jesus is not God, but he is a prophet and only a prophet. And don't make him out to be God. The first tenet of the Islamic faith says this, There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his messenger. You go to a Jehovah's Witness, and what do you find? Do you find a fellow Christian just of a different tribe? Not at all. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus Christ was formerly the archangel Michael, but came to earth simply as a man. He wasn't divine. He never was divine. He was merely the servant of Jehovah, and when he died, he died a martyr's death, and he never resurrected from the grave. There is a vast difference between Jehovah's Witness and Christianity. You go to a Mormon and you ask a Mormon who Jesus is. Jesus Christ was conceived of Mary after God came to earth and had relations with Mary. Jesus was good enough over time to achieve Godhood. That's not the same thing as Christianity. Postmodernism, there's, that's the day in which we live. We live in a postmodern culture. Now, there's not an organized religion. You'll not find the first postmodern church of Northwest Arkansas out there. All right? In fact, everything about postmodernism pulls back from structure and, and beliefs and tenets. It's just believe what you want to believe. Do what you want to believe. You can become like God. Quantum physics. I was talking to a person one time who believed in quantum physics. And they were quoting from Deepak Chopra. And the different beliefs that he was teaching 
And let me just tell you right now, it's heresy from hell. And you just need to be aware of that. Uh, what am I saying? Am I trying to call people out? Am I trying to isolate people? If you're first time with us today, you think, man, this guy is on them today. I'm just trying to draw a clear line. Our foundation is Jesus Christ. Well, I'm not trying to draw any larger circle. I'm not trying to draw any smaller circle than around Jesus Christ. Because just in Jesus' day, they were confused about who he was. I don't want there to be ambiguity in our day. I don't want there to be ambiguity with you or with me. The other sad tale is the notional Christian. There are so many notional Christians that fill even up our churches or our church roles anyway. Many times they don't even go to church. But if you ask them on a survey, are you a Christian or are you not? They'll say yes. In fact, 44% of those who acknowledge the Christian faith would be classified, according to Barna, as notional Christians. 44%. That means they believe in the ideology of Christianity, but it has not penetrated their heart. It has not changed their life. They are just notionally Christians. So who do people say that Jesus is? That's what they say in our day. They said something different back in Jesus. There's all kinds of confusion. But I noticed this. If you look there, I said there were two questions that Jesus asked. The first question he asked to the general public, who do people say that I am? The second question he asked, who do you say that I am? 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 He gets really personal. He goes from the macro to the micro. He goes from the abstract to the personal. And my friends, I want to ask you today, if I could look at you eyeball to eyeball, face to face, if I could ask you one question, and I had one question to ask you on planet Earth, I would ask you today, who is Jesus to you? That's exactly what Jesus does to his disciples. Yes, the big picture's out there, but I want to bring it back down to you. Where, who is Jesus to you? And where the other disciples had chimed in on the other answer, this time Peter is the only one who speaks. And he said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. That's who you are. He declared something in that moment that there was no ambiguity, no doubting. He wasn't just a thought. He wasn't just a role model. He wasn't just a philosopher. He was God. He was the only God in flesh. And we celebrate him every single time we come into this room. We celebrate him every time we form as a body life group. We celebrate him every time we go out into this world and we are the church in this world. The problem is, is in northwest Arkansas, just as it was in the first century, there's all kinds of confusion about who Jesus is. So what do we need to do as a church? Is we need to make sure, very sure that we know who Jesus is personally to us and then make sure we know who he is and how we share him out into this world. How do we do that? Real quickly, I want to give you five ways that we see this absolutely how we show Jesus in this world. One is we got to show Jesus enthusiastically and we do that through worship. We, we show him off. We, now that's not just in this room, but it is in this room. It's in everything that we do. Romans 12, 1 talks about it. 12, 1 and 2 talks about it being a living act of worship. 
Is it the way that we live our lives? So we show him off enthusiastically. But when you come in this room, please don't come as a spectator. This is not a spectator sport. This is the band that is leading you in worship. You bring your praise. You bring your adoration. You bring it all. You bring your prayers. You bring it all. And listen, don't be a wooden Indian sitting in here doing nothing. Don't be a mannequin sitting in here doing nothing. Be here. Be all here. Be here in worship. A.W. Tozer said it like this. Real worship is, among other things, a feeling about the Lord our God. What is your feeling about God? It's in our hearts, and we must be willing to express it. Show Jesus off enthusiastically. Number two, show him off practically. How do we do this? We do this through ministry. When we serve other people, Mosaic is a great example of this. Just one example out of many of the families in our church that have embraced children who don't have families. Who don't have a mother, who don't have a father. And they embrace them. And they bring them in and they love on them. And you heard just a few moments ago in a couple of nights or a couple of weeks from now, we're going to have a mosaic night. and We're going to have a foster care night and we're going to just love on these kids and we're going to let these foster parents go out and be on the town by themselves. And we're going to give them a safe place for that. And last time we had over seven families that don't come to Grace Point Church. But we are ministering and we are showing love in a very practical way. Also, number two, lovingly. We're going to show off Jesus in a loving way. How do we do that? We do that through community. Now listen, you're not going to get community in this big room. You're going to get it in small pockets. You're going to get it by getting to know people. We talk about it in here, own your zone. We've been saying this since we first started meeting. I I remember learning this from Walmart when I worked at Walmart whenever I was in, in college in a store. They said, if somebody comes within 10 feet of you, greet them. I don't know if they still do that. But I'll tell you this, if somebody comes within 2 feet, 10 feet, 15 feet of you, go out of your way, own your zone, get to know somebody new. Spend the first three minutes after every service getting to know somebody. Hey, you'll rule out some friends that way. You also may make some new friends. You say, I don't want to sit here anymore. I want to sit over there. They're whacked. You get to community when you're in a body life group. As we grow larger, we grow smaller. You heard that from Eric last week. Listen, body life, we have 11 new body life groups going online this month. 11 new ones. You want to start by getting in one? Now's the time to get in one. You're going to be hearing more and more about that. Relevantly, we do this through outreach. Listen, this world is longing. This world is longing to know God. And if you know God and you're not connecting with them and helping them connect to God, there is a great disservice to the faith. We've got to do this. Invest. Here's three words that I throw around. Invest, invite, and intercede. Invest in people. Go across the neighborhood. Meet someone new. Go across the cubicle at your office. Meet somebody new in your school. Invest your life into them. Even if they believe different, think different, act differently than you, get to know them and be with them. And then invite them. Invite them to a, situ- uh, to a place like this. 
on Sunday morning. Invite them to our marriage enrichment seminar in October. Invite them to a ministry that we have going on. Invite them to your body life group. Invite them to your house for dinner. And just let them know and experience the real life of Christ in you. And then intercede for them. Man, God breaks down walls when we pray for people. Pray for them. Also, one more biblically. We gotta, we gotta show Jesus off biblically and we do this through a transformed life. And God's transforming work is through His Word. We've gotta make sure this Word is clearly practically proclaimed every Sunday from here, every, every week in your body life group or in a small group or wherever, we've got to make sure this book is abundantly clear. 2,800 businessmen were surveyed on a Monday morning following a Sunday service and they were asked the question, how relevant was Sunday's message to your life? 82% of them said there was no connection between what happens on Sunday morning and what happens on Monday morning. I don't want that to be the case at Grace Point Church. It is my goal every time I stand up here that I am two things. I am rooted in Scripture, but I'm also relevant to the culture. Relevant to your life. Rooted in Scripture because this is my foundation. Relevant because this is the world I live in. And this is the world you live in. So let's make sure that we are showing Jesus off in that manner. Jesus Christ is our foundation. We build our life on it. Number two. If we're going to be a work of God, Jesus Christ is the foreman through whom Grace Point Church is building. It's where we're going. It's, we are being built on Him. He is our foundation, but we are being built by Him. Notice what He said here in verse 18 to, to, to Peter. He said, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. That's the first promise He gives. I will build my church. He calls him Peter. His name was Simon Barjona, but he changes his name in this moment. Peter means Petra. It comes from the Greek word Petros, which means rock. He calls him Peter. He calls him the rock. And from this point, from that statement that he made, God's going to use Peter to start this church planning movement that's going to happen throughout the world. And we're going to be talking about that as we go into the book of Acts about God. God wants to start churches around the world and how he's going to use us as we take on that characteristics of Peter. Now you may hold it here, Mike, back up. Jesus said he's going to build his church. He said, I will build my church. Then, then we don't have to do anything. We can just be pretty wallflowers, right? Not at all. In fact, God uses us in His church building process. And I'm not talking about the bricks and the sticks that outline us right now. I'm talking about the people in this room right now. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 3.10. He said, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. What's this? I thought Jesus was building, but now Paul's talking about him building. Here is the way I reconcile these statements, these verses together. Jesus is the foreman, but we are the builders. We hired Flintco to build this building. You know how many people from Flintco were daily on this site? Two people. You know how many subcontractors they had? They would have 80 to 90 people scattered throughout these facilities. Two Flintco, 80 to 90 subs all the way around. Constantly. Who built the building? Flintco did. 
Under their design, under their leadership, they built the building. But who were the hands and the labor? Who were the experts? Who were the electricians? Who were the plumbers? Who were the people? They were the ones who helped build it. So Jesus Christ is the foreman. You and I are the builders. God's going to use us, you and me, to build his church. So I want to take you to our purpose statement. It may help make, make sense of this. We have a purpose statement. I know every company, every church, whatever, they have purpose statements. But we really do believe our purpose statement. We budget according to it. We staff according to it. We plan according to it. You can't submit a calendar request without showing us how it's going to fit into the great commitment or the great commandment. So let's, let's, let's look at this. Say it out loud with me. We have a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission to build a great church for our great God. When you're saying that, just say great. Just keep saying great. It just comes out. We believe we're so committed to this. The great commandment, the great commission are the five things that I just talked about. Worship, ministry, outreach, transformation. That's what we're committed to. That's the great commandment, the great commission. Come to North Point, you'll learn about it. And what are we doing all this? We're doing it all so that we can be a great church for ourselves, for our own glory and good. No, for our own God. He is wanting to use you and me. Now, again, imagine yourself just a moment, four or five couples sitting with me in a living room, and I'm sharing this with you. You might say, okay, I, if I don't do it, who's going to do it? And then you look today around and say, if I don't do it, somebody else will do it. Huh? We need you and you and you and you and you and every one of you to say, if this is your church home, I will be a part of this church. And I will be greatly committed to the great commandment and the great commission to build a great church for our great God because he deserves everything I can give him. He is my foundation. He's also our foreman. But Jesus Christ is also our future. He is our future in which we are building. He is where we are going. Now we come to the second promise. Verse 19. First promise, he says, I'll build my church. Second promise, he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of things that Jesus could give us. But giving us keys? Have you, have you thought about the power and the authority of keys? If I gave you this what a plastic and metal you would have access to every thing in my life everything valuable every person in my life you want to get access to my family for good or ill you take that key right there and you have access to my home you want to have access to the personnel files and some confidential counseling files of our church you take that key right there you want to have access to any room in this house, in this building? You take that key right there. That'll give you any place you want to go. You want to drive my car or Lori's car? You take either one of those. That is my life in essence. And what did Jesus say he did? I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And who did he give it to? He gave it to a bunch of ragtag disciples that he calls his church. And he says, listen, you go into this world. You have my authority. You have access to my kingdom. And you start building it. 
The future of where we're going and what we're doing is not about building something for ourselves. It is about the kingdom of God. He equipped us with his word. He empowered us with his spirit. And he enriches us with his church. But it's now up to you and I to enlarge his kingdom. He's given us the keys. He's called us his church. He's given us his spirit. We have his word. Now what are we going to do with it? Philip Yancey, a great writer and one that convicted me many times and still to this day when I read his stuff, he said this in the book, The Jesus I Never Knew. It was a book I read before coming back and starting Grace Point. He said, many, far too many abandoned the quest for Jesus, repelled by the church. They never make it to Jesus. Let that one sink in. They're repelled. By the church. I don't want to be a church that sends people disenfranchised with Christ into the world. I want them to fall in love with Christ because they've experienced the love and the grace and the mercy and righteousness of our own lives. Whenever we started back in nineteen or in, in two thousand one, the church, we were a little bit overwhelmed by the whole task of it all. I was groping the internet, looking for any encouragement I could find, any sense of direction. And I found, came across a message. It was presented on October 14th, 1998 by a 60-plus-year-old pastor who had 100 people gathered in a room on a Sunday night. And this pastor, who I respect immensely, made this statement. Chuck Swindoll in the founding of Stonebriar Community Church said this, All of us here tonight, all of us are here tonight because all of us here are interested in the beginning of a ministry, one that has never existed before. But by the grace of God, will outlive all of us. We've been going at this for 12 years. I hope to be here 12 years from now. I hope you're here too. But one of these days, I'm going to walk off this stage for the last time. And I don't know when that will be. But I hope whatever this church is, it will last longer. It will go further than myself. I hope it will last longer and go further than you. I hope that our children and our great-grandchildren, who will long have forgotten our names, will know His name. And we'll have experienced His grace, His power, His mercy through the ministries of Grace Point Church because we have a future. There's a kingdom being built. We get to build it. We get to be a part of what He's doing. Marilyn Deneen, on April 26, in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, decided to go to church. Not of, out of good circumstances, but out of what happened on Friday night at the high school dance. When she goes to the dance, and she's there, and a student walked in. His nickname was Satan, of all nicknames. He was only 14 years of age. He walks in, and he murders the science teacher, John Gillette. It shook the community. Marilyn goes into church that next Sunday. She didn't know which door to go in, which place to go to, which, where to sit, stand, bow, whatever. And she made this statement. She said, I don't usually come, but today I needed something. I needed to be with people who believed in something. 
And I hope to God if you're like Marilyn today and you just wandered in here, that I hope that you'll find this. You're with people who believe something, who are willing to die for something. And that, that is Jesus Christ. He's our foundation. We build everything on Him. What He says, we do. Where He goes, we go. Wherever He, he, he says stop, we stop. Whenever He says go, we go. Whenever, whatever it is, our lives are built on Him. He's our foreman. He's, he's giving the directions. He's giving us a plan. Build my church. And He's given us a future that has power and authority. And if we take His keys, just like if I take those keys and I walk away, I am negligent with the access and authority to my life. If God has given us His keys and we have not brought and built His kingdom, we are negligent with the power and authority that He's given us.